All right, we're going to get started. So, we certainly can. We're going to pray, so we can put her in the prayer. Our whole family. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask your blessing on our time tonight. Uh, we pray that you would help us to be able to continue to grow in our understanding of how to discern your, your spirits, uh, the Holy Spirit and the evil spirit, and be able to determine which is which. We lift up in prayer uh, the Satovich family, especially Sue and Gary and their children. We ask you to grace to be with them in this time, that uh, we watch over them and guide them in uh, this, these final days that she has on earth. And we pray all these things, saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Great. So last time uh, we sort of covered rules one through four, which kind of give the terrain of the spiritual... Uh, discernments kind of helps us to navigate the ups and downs and understand like okay what am I looking at here so that's rules one through four um, if you didn't get here last time there there's a recording of that on the website um, and today we're going to be talking about rules five through nine which are more um, now getting into how do we take action how do we look at something and understand mm -hmm. Um, something about it. Hi, Jill, come on in. And we, we look at these rules and we say, okay, this is what we ought to do in this moment. And they're mostly dealing with when we are experiencing desolation, so spiritual desolation and trying to deal with that. So that's kind of what we're going to be looking at, ways to resist desolation when it comes and again, desolation is merely a, an interior feeling of sort of separation from the Lord or distraction or unsettledness, and it comes uh, in a spiritual way. So it, it's, it's not because I'm tired or because I'm hungry or because I'm angry or because I'm not um, having these natural desolations. Those can be a springboard again, but they're not a cause of spiritual desolation. We're going to we're going to talk about why does the Lord allow desolation, but we'll get to that. So let's talk about um, rule number five. So if you have the handout there, rule number five, fifth rule says, in time of desolation, never to make a change, but to be firm and constant in the resolutions and determination in which one was the day preceding such a desolation, or in the determination in which he was in the preceding consolation. Because as in consolation, it is rather the good spirit who guides and counsels us. So in desolation, it is the bad whose counsels we cannot take a course to decide rightly. So basically, the idea is when we're in a good spot, we're in consolation, we make resolutions. We might say, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to the Adoration Chapel once a week. And I'm going to have a time with Jesus. And I'm going to do this. this I feel 
like I'm called to do this. So we make that resolution, and then the next week happens, and suddenly we're, we're experiencing dryness and desolation, spiritual desolation, and, and our feeling is, oh, maybe, maybe, this, maybe that was a little too much. Maybe I shouldn't do this spiritual thing. It seems a little too hard, too difficult, and I'm really feeling bad about it when I miss it, so um, I'm just going to not do that. And that's the whole goal of, of the evil one, right? When we're in desolation, he tries to move us away from the Lord and make anything we've decided to do for the Lord difficult or hard or seem impossible, really. So that's, the, that's his goal when we are in desolation. So when we're in desolation, it's going to be something we have to recognize it and then act against it. So rule five says, do not make a change when it comes to our spiritual practices when we are in desolation, spiritual desolation. Questions on that? Is that? That's the basic principle that's at play here. So again, you might say, well, I'm having a hard time figuring out if I'm in desolation or consolation. Well, well maybe we have to talk more about that. But the, it, the principle is, if I know which, which one I'm in, and I'm in desolation, I know I'm going to experience these temptations to, to give up all the good things that I do for the Lord. And so I need to recognize that that's the enemy talking. Um, here's a simple example uh, that uh, Father Timothy gives in his book. He, he gives the example of a woman who is praying. She's uh, determined she wants to do a, a, a time of prayer every morning. Um, uh, I forget if she's a sister. Probably she's a sister because there's a chapel nearby, but she decides to pray in her room. But as she's praying... She keeps going back and forth in her mind, should I be in the chapel? Or is it okay that I'm in my room? And she's going back and forth, and she can't figure it out which one. And uh, it, this, this feeling of like, hmm, I'm not certain about this. And, you know, maybe... And so she, she, as she goes on, but then she has a moment of insight and says, ah, I already decided that it was yesterday, I decided that I was going to pray in my room because this is going to be better for me. And then what happens is now I'm having this moment of, uh, indecision, and rather than spending my whole holy hour figuring out where I should be, I'm here. This is what I decided yesterday. Just let it be. Don't make a change. Don't decide. I need to rush over to the chapel because it would be better there. So, that, uh, is that indecision then the desolation? It's not the desolation itself. It's a cause, okay. or a, it's a rather it's an experience or a fruit of the desolation. The desolation is something has happened to move her into desolation. And we'll talk about causes later in Rule 9. But, um, but now she's kind of going back and forth. So the fruit of the desolation is this indecision, right? And so as soon as she recognizes that, and she recognizes I'm in desolation, and I'm thinking and pondering to make a change about something spiritual in my life, I need to reject that because that's not from the Lord. So that's kind of what's going on there. Thank you. Um, Yeah, the, there's other examples about that, but that's kind of the general principle. Um, once spiritual constellations returned, then we can address there's, if there's a problem that needs to be changed. Maybe we've overstretched ourselves, and we we recognize I'm in constellation right now, but I'm I need to make an adjustment. That's okay. Wait till the constellation comes before you make a, ch a change. If you're in the desolation, it's like a, this might be a bad example, but. Uh, if you're dating someone and you 
get dumped or you, or you dump them and you move on to somebody quick to the next person, the rebound, sometimes you're not thinking correctly. You're not discerning well who I should be in relationship with. You're just kind of reacting to a situation. And so you pick poorly in that moment. You don't, you might be attracted to the kind of person that's not good for you. They say, well, that's what they say. So, um, that's just a, a, an idea of like, don't let the desolation make the decisions for you, but rather understand when I made this decision, I was in consolation. I was in a good place and I need to stick with this until I have a time of, of consolation. Questions? Go ahead, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sent one too. <laughs> I, I, I'm slow at catching on, so if I look, <laughs> you know, just, I am just say that's funny, she's a little I, I don't know if I really understand the desolation. What is the actual definition of this desolation? De de desolation, spiritual desolation is one I'm basically disconnected from the Lord. I'm feeling disconnected from the Lord. I'm not actually, but I'm feeling, so I'm feeling far away from the Lord. I'm feeling kind of low spiritually, like I, I don't feel uh, close to the Lord. So I don't, I feel that I'm close to him, but I don't know that. <laughs> so Father, is so, it based on feelings then? Yes. It is. Not reality, because the Lord is always close to us, right? Yes. The Lord is never far from us. Okay. He's always one prayer away. But the feeling is I'm, I'm distant or I'm disconnected or I'm disappointing to him. Or there's sort of the, we start to get caught up in all these feelings or thoughts that the, that the evil one speaks to us because we're in a place where we're feeling disconnected. And so then we start to, his whole goal is to kind of put a wedge in there and then slowly widen that, that distance between us and the Lord. And so he will use our thoughts to kind of draw us down a path of spiritual desolation. And if we follow that path, we will in fact go further from the Lord. Whereas if we reject it, we will stay where we are and we'll be just fine. And then, what did Mother Teresa have? Because she never had, what would Kevin kind of say? She had the dark night of the soul. How is that different from desolation? If you have a dark night of the soul, how can you distinguish that from being desolate? I would say they're very similar, if they not are. the same. So how do you then... The dark night of a soul is a stage that you go through if, if you understand the spiritual life and that. The dark night of the soul is a stage you go in of being purified so that you can actually be closer to the Lord. It's kind of an intimacy with the Lord and His crucifixion and suffering and all that. Desolation for St. Ignatius is more, not so much a, a stage in the spiritual life, but more of a, an experience in this moment of being further or closer to the Lord. So consolation is, I feel consoled. I feel close, I feel connected. Desolation is I feel distant, I feel disconnected, I feel like I'm not pleasing to the Lord, that sort of thing. Um, so desolation is often a time of discouragement, and because we're discouraged, then we make changes in our life or make decisions in our life that are not based on the reality that God is always close to us. But the feeling is I feel far from Him, and so we, we misdiagnose what's going on because of the craftiness of the evil one, and we start going down the wrong path, which is moving us away from the Lord. So it's a little, I would say it's a little different. The, the feeling is probably the same in the dark night of the soul or the or desolation, 
And desolation can be, there's a gradation, right? It's not like totally off or totally on. It's, it can be like super dark or kind of dark, or maybe it could just be a simple like, ah, I just kind of don't have that zip that I normally do, you know? So if you have, if you're discouraged, that's desolation, right? I mean, that's like, yeah. so if you're not discouraged and you're going through a dark night of the soul, then you're on, you're getting what you're supposed to be getting. Yeah, so Mother Teresa you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so she didn't, she, even though she felt this darkness from the Lord, she didn't decide, well, maybe I shouldn't still be a missionary of charity. Yeah, maybe so I should she, no longer, okay. she, she stuck the path, yeah. right? And she recognized, it took her a while, but she, I think she eventually recognized, like, this is actually an intimacy with the Lord. The Lord is drawing me. Mm -hmm. He's given me this great burden in one sense, but it's only to draw me closer to him. So that being said, the dark night of the soul actually is allowed by the Lord? They are both allowed by the Lord. Okay. okay. Yeah. But the dark night of the soul isn't initiated by the evil one, is it? Um, I'd have to uh, I look at that more, exactly how, how it's, I think depending on who you read. Okay. <laughs> but... It's uh, the dark night of the soul's a purification, preparing you to go deeper in, in your intimacy with the Lord. So, is it allowed by the Lord, or is it caused by the Lord? Uh, it's certainly allowed. Is it is it caused by Him? Uh, I think you could make that argument. Okay. Either way, you want to stay focused on the Lord. Yes. Either way, you don't want to despair. Right. I think the reason why not everybody goes to the dark night of the soul, though, is we can't handle it, right? The Lord only gives it to us if we can, right. if we can handle it. So you can choose not to permit it, though, correct? No. <laughs> if it comes for you, you have no choice. <laughs> if if it's if, if it comes for you, it means the Lord. It, it, it means the Lord thinks you can handle it. So it's it's Him actually saying, "I want I want to draw you deeper," but um, it's it's a little complicated. So in the sense of it, it feels. Like unloving, or it feels. <laughs> well, we all do. We all do. What about St. John of the Cross? Is he in that dark night of the soul type thing? Yes. Yeah. So he and Teresa of Avila are the two that yeah, write the most about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, then people have it. Holy cow, man. Yeah. <laughs> so probably for most of us, we don't need to worry too much about it, but <laughs> when that time comes. We're going to just to read your books. Well, <laughs> the Lord wants us all to be mystics, so. We shouldn't, it's, it's incorrect to say like, well, I'm never going to be that holy. Like, we will someday, whether it's here or in heaven, we will be able to uh, have that intimacy with the Lord. Um, but it's, um, the Lord wants to draw us all that deep, but sometimes we're just not there yet. So, Is there a distinction between desolation and um, taking on more than you really should have? Like, how do you draw the distinction? Sure. Like, if I had all these good intentions and I was going to do all these things and then reality is, or is that mean if, if I'm realizing that I can't do everything? Sure. Is that desolation? Is it wrong then to cut back? Or is it... Yeah, so he makes the distinction between uh, spiritual desolation and just desolation. So, I think... If we understand in consolation, if I've made it a true discernment of something in consolation, and I actually discerned it, it's a good thing. I should stick with that. 
That's his idea. Versus, I just had a good intention, and I thought, well, for Lent, I'm going to do all these things. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great Lent. But we're not realistic. We didn't discern these things. We just decided on our own. So discernment suggests that we're following what the Lord asks us to do versus us just creating our own idea of what we should do. So I think it's important to recognize the discernment piece. Like this, is, this was discerned. These spiritual practices were discerned and God confirmed them in a time of consolation or gave me clarity on them versus I just kind of took them on and decided I want to be the kind of person that does all these things and I think it can do them all. And the reality is maybe we're not. So that's where, um, so desolation would say um, it's working against those things that we've already discerned are good. But I suppose you could say I have a desolation because I'm recognizing I'm not as good as I thought I, or I can't handle as much as I thought I could. That could be a, a experience of um, desolation in a sense, but it's, I would say it's, there's a, a nuance there of one experience of, of consolation and then discerning something with God and then saying, I'm going to stick to that. And then if we move into a des- time of desolation, he's going, the devil's going to attack that and try to make you move away from that. Versus I on my own went, was feeling good. I, was, I had a great holy hour and I had this great resolution. I'm going to, I'm going to feed the poor. I'm going to uh, give all my possessions away. I'm never going to sleep at night. I'm just going to pray all night, you know. And then suddenly I'm in a bad place and I'm like, oh, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I can't handle this. Like, I didn't discern those things. I just sort of started to try to do them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a fine distinction, but I think um, I would say he would say that the, the things that we decide when we're consoled, if we discern them, then we should stick to them. Father, is discernment that you're praying and asking God to guide you in whatever you're next going to do, and then you get a you get a feeling of or not a feeling, you feel that the Lord is is said yes, go ahead with this, or the opposite would be you're in your mind and saying, I'm going to do these things. Yeah, discernment uh, is a prayerful experience with the Lord. It's like a, you might say it's we're at the negotiation table or however you want to look at it. We're we're working with the Lord on something versus. I'm just on my own deciding things. So. Thank you. That's a tough one. Yes. That's why we need to be praying all the time. <laughs> and not sleeping. Just praying all night. All night. <laughs> all night. That's right, Joanne. Pray all night. Father, um, so is desolation kind of related to the Lord's Prayer where we pray and lead us not into temptation? I have trouble trying to understand that. If the Lord allows desolation, is He allowing us to be tempted by the Lord to be yes. desolate? He, he does allow temptation, right? Uh, so it's important to recognize, and we'll get that to, to that in Rule 9, desolation isn't always our fault. right? It's something the Lord allows, but it's always for our good. So even temptations are for our good. Ultimately, if we resist temptation... We're growing stronger. Uh, what happens is that sometimes we don't resist, and then we we go that way instead. So, so in that prayer, we're praying. Uh, yes, people have asked about the translation of the Our Father. That part, the Lord never leads us into temptation, but we're asking Him to basically help us to be able to ride through those things or overcome those temptations 
um, rather than uh, kind of bargaining with him and saying, well, just don't have me get tempted or, you know, like that's an unrealistic thing. We're all going to be tempted at times. So, but we're asking that we don't, we're not led down that path of where the temptation wants to lead us. All right, we good. We're going to move on to rule six. Rule six is the second one there on your list. Although in desolation we ought not to change our first resolution, it is very helpful intensely to change ourselves against the same desolation as by insisting that more on prayer, meditation, on much examination, and by giving ourselves more uh, scope in some suitable way of doing penance. Is that all right? I don't know. There might be a word missing there, a misspelled scope. I don't quite understand what that is about. Anyway, um, so the the idea here is he gives us sort of three different sort of ways of dealing with um, desolation. And again, we don't make a change in our spiritual practices, but it's very good for us to resist the, the desolation and, and kind of push against it. Um, so he makes the point that Sometimes, Father Timothy makes this point, that sometimes people are in desolation and they, their experience of it is, well, I guess the Lord allowed this. I guess I just need to ride this out. And they don't work against it in a sense. They don't reject it. They, they kind of say, I'm, I'm a bad person. I need to be strengthened by, the, by this time of desolation. Where the Lord never says, receive this and accept it. It's always an opportunity for us to grow, and, but we have to resist. We have to say no to it. And... Um, and so he gives us, uh, St. Ignatius gives us some methods to do that. So, um, so we, it seems counterintuitive, but it's effective to go against. So if you want to imagine a scene, um, I don't know how much arm wrestling you all do, but imagine you're arm wrestling somebody and you are just about to win and all of a sudden out of nowhere they seem to like, like, get really strong and they're uh, like really determined all of a sudden they have all this energy you can think of like you know in, in one moment they seem super discouraged and they seem like they're just going to give in and it's going to be an easy win and all of a sudden they're like resisting like crazy and you're like whoa what is this coming from so that's the idea is like if we're kind of like limp limp arm like we're not gonna we're not gonna win right but if all of a sudden we resist and like re resist everything we have our whole strength our all our will Suddenly, the devil's going to be like, oh, this isn't working so great, right? So there's a way in which our attitude in the face of the desolation changes how we experience it, right? So um, if we're just like a limp noodle and we kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm in desolation and I guess I have to just ride it out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be easy for us to be discouraged and led down that path. Whereas if we resist, um, it can actually, he actually says it can change how we experience the desolation and even how long the desolation lasts. Um, and how it affects us, certainly. So, um, I'm going to read something right here. This is on page 86. Okay, so he says, uh, the, second the first full paragraph there. We must not pass by this point too quickly. At times, dedicated people will, who undergo spiritual desolation 
When God seems far away and their hearts are heavy as they serve the Lord, sincerely believe that God has chosen them to bear this unhappy lot and wills that they simply accept this burden. So that's the feeling sometimes people have. Even uh, good Christians will sometimes fall into this trap of thinking, well, this seems the thing that the Lord is asking of me. However, consciously, their understanding is essentially the following. I wish to dedicate my life to the Lord and I'm trying to live this uh, commitment faithfully. For days, weeks, months, years, I have felt burdened and sad spiritually. God seems far away and I do not experience the warmth of grace in my heart. God permits this. And so, apparently, it's calling me to carry this heaviness day after day in my life. My task is just to bear it as best I can. When endured in this goodwill but resigned manner, the spiritual desolation is likely to persist and often enough to deepen. The captives have not been set free. So, he makes that a clear point that we should resist. Without resisting, we're basically kind of falling into the trap of desolation. So we're not meant to, to go down that path. So things to be done. First, we're to pray, right? That's one of our tools. When we see we're in desolation, pray against it. Ask the Lord for help. Ask the Lord to help you resist. Act against that desolation, uh, what it suggests. So if the desolation says, maybe you shouldn't pray. Uh, I've had this experience. You're, you're sitting in holy hour, and it's about 45 minutes in, and you're like, oh, it's been kind of a boring, not much happening, and uh, I really could use 15 minutes extra to go get ready for Mass or go do this thing or something practical rather than just sit here and do nothing for another 15 minutes. And so that the, the, it's a, it's a, it sounds like a great suggestion. It's simple. It's, it's, you're not doing anything unholy. You're just going out to do some other good thing. So just go do it. That's the suggestion, right? But again, make no change. So, And he actually says in these kinds of situations, instead of staying for 15 minutes, stay for 17 minutes or just add a couple extra minutes. So you're like going against it. So there's a way in which we, we fight against it by, by uh, not following those little suggestions. Um, secondly, we can meditate. Meditate on the fidelity of God, remembering that in past times, He has always been there. He's always carried us through and provided for us, and that He will remain, He does remain with us. So, meditating on that truth, that God has not abandoned me, no matter what in my life, God has never abandoned me. So, even if the feeling is, I'm feeling far away from the Lord, it's not the truth. Uh, and he says several times in the, in the book, he says several times, it's not going to feel natural to do that. The natural thing is going to feel like listening to the desolations. We have to, that's where the discernment comes in. We have to really discern and understand what's happening. Uh, this just happened to me the other day. I was praying uh, and I was thinking about like the mission and the building project and all these things. And there's just a moment of kind of like hesitation and darkness a little bit of like, Maybe this isn't all worth it. Maybe we, maybe we should just change direction. And then I kind of had this moment of like, ah, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> so you've got to have that awareness, right? Because in the moment, these will seem like really good suggestions. So we have to know that and resist it and, and fight against it. Uh, thirdly, he says, examination. In times of desolation, it's helpful to be... Uh, suspect of ideas or thoughts, especially those that seem to suggest they will give us relief or distraction from what we freely, uh, what we feel spiritually. So, low and earthly things. I think we talked about this in one of the other rules, but 
In moments when we're in desolation, instead of doing our normal spiritual practices, we'll be drawn to some distraction. Maybe I should just go watch TV instead, or maybe I should just listen to music, or maybe I should just sit here and, and just take a little break because I'm really tired or I'm really worn out. So, you know, these are the kinds of suggestions that come our way, and they seem reasonable in the moment. Um, but if we examine it, we can say, I've done that before, and that never works. That never, that never truly brings uh, restoration. It doesn't bring me to a place of ease if I just skip Mass or skip... Um, my prayer time or something like that. It doesn't, doesn't actually give relief. Uh, an examination of these patterns, thoughts, and ideas can help us avoid temptations or distractions that will remove us further from God. The desolation seeks to bring about what it insinuates, that we are separated. So again, that's the, that's the irony, is that desolation suggests that we're, we feel far from God but if we follow what it actually says to do, then we actually do move farther from God rather than if we resist, we stay as close, if not growing closer to the Lord. So that's, that's important to, to remember that. Uh, doing some suitable penance is the other thing he mentions. Um, that's where he ex- says about the extra few minutes on holy hour. Or... Um, uh, it, he says it's important to know yourself. You don't want to be extreme. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really go against this. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something really amazing. So just just simple. The smallest little indication can be um, helpful in this regard. Uh, okay, here we go. Here's a quote on page 92. What form might such suitable ways of doing penance take in our various experiences of spiritual desolation? As so often in the spiritual journey, once again, the importance of the injunction, know thyself, is evident. The greater our awareness of our particular vulnerabilities in time of spiritual desolation, the more accurately we will choose the suitable gestures to counter efficaciously its urgence to surrender. So, if we know that we often get drawn to, like, go like use food to deal with desolation or if we know that we often go to use some kind of media usage or um, if we know we go shopping or we go like we know ourselves right so know where do I usually turn when I'm not feeling great or when I feel like I need a little boost uh, in an unhealthy way so there's there's again it's know thyself what actually brings me more peace and uh, helps me rest and helps me be um, to recreate well. So what actually helps me? That's important to know about ourselves. We might say, I do this a lot, but does it help me? No. So I know that it doesn't actually help me. Um, so it's, this is a test you could simply do sometime when you are, are consoled, is what, after doing this little recreation thing or this thing, what is the feeling afterwards? So if it's merely a distraction, the feeling of heaviness will not be lightened. So we watch TV for an hour and then we come away from it and our feeling is, I'm not any more lifted up, I'm not any better off, I'm actually feeling more tired, more upset, whatever. Um, or if I go for a walk and I just, I don't even pray on the walk, I'm just walking and I come back from a half hour walk, do I feel more uplifted? Or do I feel heavier? Like, you know, know, know yourself. Try that experiment to see what are the things that actually bring me recreation, that bring me 
to a better place on a, on a merely natural level, physical level. So we're not looking on the spiritual level, it's just kind of looking for that springboard. Again, if you're uh, natural desolation can spring us into uh, spiritual desolation. Natural consolation can spring us into uh, consolation. So we want to know what what are the things that help me recreate well. So those are just things to to, to know ourselves about. Questions about that? Maybe you're a simple soul, Roger. Maybe you just see things very clearly. But for some, some people, they, we get tangled up. And it's helpful to know like, how the evil one... It's, it's, basically, it's, it's basically looking at the, the principles of spiritual warfare and saying, how does the enemy work? And how do I counter his, his attacks? And how does the Lord work? And how do I cooperate with that? So, we struggle with that every day, though, don't we? I mean... Anytime we go, for, for example, to uh, adoration, there's always a struggle in there. I mean, you, you can have moments, but then you, you think about things that you want to be doing or should be doing or, or you can do or what you're going to do today instead of actually... Yeah, that's just distraction. That's just distraction. That's, that's, that's a, a thing to combat as well, but the desolation and this, on the spiritual levels, I'm making decisions either to reject or accept what is coming at, at me. And so I think it's important when we want to live the spiritual life well, it's important to have the tools to kind of discern what's going on. And depending on where we are at the spiritual level, depending on our personal makeup, depending on all the, a lot of factors, it's going to be harder or easier. And if we're more understanding of the tactics of the enemy, it's going to be easier to recognize them. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, you ever play football or basketball? I do. Okay. So if you, so if you're, if you're the quarterback, you have to read the offense to understand what are they trying to do? Or if you're the defense guy, you got to understand what are they trying to do? So there's a, a, there's a, if you just go out there and you're just clueless to what's happening, you get just knocked on your, your. But see, you've got to listen to your leaders and if you make the wrong choice, comes back to there's a price to pay. Yeah, well, there's going to be a price to pay if you if you respond and you don't reject the desolation, right? That's kind of, okay. All right. I'll shut up. Well, no, I'm just saying that there's going to be a price to pay. That's what we're trying to yeah. avoid, right? Only you're saying it in different words. Yeah, so there's a natural ebb and flow to the spiritual life. If we... Think of ourselves if this is consolation and this is desolation. Depending on how life is going, we might be going like this. You know? Or we might be more like even. But there's always going to be an ebb and flow. It's no matter what. For anybody, for the saints, there's going to be this experience of uh, ups and downs. 
But it is, it's when we understand the tactics of the, en of the enemy, we can try to lower those troughs, make them not so deep, and stay up here longer. But we have no control over how long this lasts. It's not up to us. It's, it's a gift the Lord gives, right? And when we get to Rule 9, we'll talk about the experience of desolation. But the idea is, I'm trying to respond. If you, uh, control systems probably doesn't, it's not a good example, but if you have an awareness of what, what, what's uh, driving this, if we're unaware, we're going to go deeper down into the trough, right? It's going to lead us down that path. And it's going to take us a while to figure out what the heck happened before we can make a turn and start getting back up there. But the more aware we are of the tactics of the enemy, the less they uh, have an effect on us. Um, so we're trying to level it off. Yeah. And you could look at it that way, like trying to make these, these troughs into the desolation less lengthy and less uh, deep. Easier to climb out of. Yes. I got it. Does that make sense? I got it. I'm just slow. No, no, that's that's a. Okay, let's move on to rule seven. Seventh rule. Let him who is in desolation consider how the Lord has left him in a trial in his natural powers, in order to resist the different agitations and temptations of the enemy, since he can, with the help of divine help, which always remains to him. Uh, though he does not clearly perceive it because the Lord has taken from him his great favor, great love, and intense grace, leaving him, however, grace enough for eternal salvation. So this is the reality. God never leaves us, right? But sometimes he takes the feeling of consolation away. And we'll get, again, we'll get to that in Rule 9. Um, so that's important to recognize. Rule 7 basically is saying um, how to resist... Uh, spiritual desolation in our thoughts. So we're gonna we're gonna experience trials. That's gonna just be part of the life. The the question is, do we see them coming and we to re respond to them? So the trials. Uh, there's a there's something to understand about the nature of our trial and the purpose of the trial that the Lord is allowing. To see desolation is a trial that God allows for some purpose helps us to see it differently, so we approach it differently. So if I say, ah, this seems pointless, I'm way down here, and it seems pointless that God would allow me to, to do this, I don't see anything in it. Versus, I recognize the Lord is allowing this to grow me. I recognize the Lord is allowing this to help me be stronger next time. Or because there's some greater trial to come, and so he's preparing me. Uh, you might think of a weightlifter, like, the first time you go in the weight room, you kind of feel like a shrimp in there. You're like, I can do the 10-pound dumbbell. This <laughs> next guy next to me is doing the 80-pound dumbbell, and you're like, I just feel like a wimp. And I am. So, you know, I need to build up that muscle. And if we build up our spiritual muscles, we can take more, more we can resist better, and um, we can do more in, in, if you want to think of it in that way. Um, so we see a, a point to it, we see a purpose in it, and that helps us resist it. Um, instead of seeing it as a pointless suffering or a pointless sadness, we see that God is doing something, allowing me to grow in some way. And developing the pattern of, of making that consideration, of making that 
conscious awareness of, okay, I'm in desolation right now, but it's, it's not the end of the world. The Lord is doing something. So it's a, something we, we can just say to ourselves. But again, it's, we have to remember this is not going to be the natural feeling. The natural feeling is going to be, what happened, Lord? Why did you leave me here? Why have you left me? Why? And we're going to have all these questions of like, I don't think I can do this, or I don't think I'm uh, suited to, to this time of following you, Lord. I just don't have what I need. But he gives us sufficient grace, is what it says. So, um, so we feel abandoned. We feel left to our own devices. Uh, but we still have the power of our intellect to think and our will to choose and our memory to remember how God has been with us in the past. So the purpose of the trial, uh, by persevering through this trial, we gain freedom from the power of desolation. So um, that's an example. What if you great fervor? Great fervor, like, uh, like a, a strong like feeling of like closeness to the Lord. Like I, I fervently in love with this person, fervently close to the Lord. It means my passions are kind of aroused and I'm, I'm feeling intensely close to the, to the Lord. On fire, yes. So um, you could think of it as, um, again, going back to the sports analogy. If I don't, every sport has its own little images. But um, if you notice, or you could talk about poker. You've heard of a tell, and poker. A tell. If you're playing poker, it's when you recognize they do this thing always when they're have have a good hand or a bad hand. So. If you know their tell, and they don't know that you know their tell, then you can just sit there and be like, I know what you have. <laughs> you know, I know you have junk, or I know you have a really good hand, so then I'm either going to up the ante or not accordingly. So they, they can't bluff you because you know their tell, and they don't know that you know your, their tell. So in this way, when, the, when we know the, the devil's tells, we can just say, I know your game here, and that's not going to work this time. You know, it, it, takes the, it takes the sort of bite off of it. It's like, this stinks, it doesn't feel great, but you don't have any power over me. You don't have ability to push me around. So um, that's a sort of important thing for us to recognize. Uh, let's just look at what that reference is. This is page 100. I'm going to read something real quick. A key reflection regarding the entire spiritual life emerges here. A dedicated, uh, dedicated people look back over their lives, over how they have lived their calling, over a period of service in their families, in ministry, or in work, over a week of prayer, or over the day's prayer. They may tend to judge that the times of peace and spiritual consolation were the fruitful times, that the times of spiritual desolation were the emptier, less fruitful, or even lost periods of time in terms of spiritual progress. So that's the feeling they might have. They are grateful for the times of light and consolation and recognize God's love and action in them. The times of spiritual desolation, past or present, may, however, leave them uneasy or saddened. These appear as spaces outside the workings of God's grace, and some sense of regret is associated with them. Much begins to change when such dedicated persons recognize, what Ignatius affirms here, that God's loving providence does not include only half of our experience, spiritual consolation. Yes, spiritual desolation, no, but rather it is always active in our lives, both in giving our spiritual consolation and permitting us to experience the trial of spiritual desolation. When spiritual consolation is embraced and spiritual desolation resisted, 
Each moment permits its own kind of growth. Both are necessary. In the measure God's loving wisdom disposes, and both are, as Ignatius tells us, lessons. Through both, we come to the full stature of Christ. So, that we can have that idea. Like We can say, I'm only feeling fulfilled when I'm above the line, when I'm in consolation. And when I'm down here, it feels like life is on pause and I can't do anything. When really, um, there's a way in which God is at work in those things. Um, there's a story I heard once about these people who were doing a race across the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean. They were doing a race with rowboats or like uh, row t- those little yeah. rowboats that they have for like the Olympics and stuff. They were using something kind of like that. And um, these people were like racing when suddenly they hit a current that was like going against them. And it's like, we're not getting anywhere. Like they could see on their GPS, we're not moving at all. We're just staying here. We're not getting anywhere. Um, so they have these contraptions. Apparently it's like a, a water anchor. Basically it's a big bag that you put overboard and it, it kind of slows you from drifting, but it doesn't completely stop you. So the temptation was like, we're not getting anywhere. This current, we'll, we'll just have to wait it out. Um, and some people did that. But then there was one team that said, no, we're going to keep rowing. And they kept rowing all night long or whatever. And um, the rest of the time, the rest of the days, it was good. But that one day when it was really bad, this team kept rowing. And so they didn't get pulled back like everybody else did. And so then they won the race because of that one day. So there's times when we're in desolation, it can feel like we're going backwards or it's just, we're not, it's not working out, things are not going well. But in, in the reality, those are, where the, those are where the victories can be won, right? Um, those are the places where we can actually grow the most and do the most, in a sense, for the Lord on the Lord's behalf. Rather than this experience of like, when I'm flying high and feeling good, it's easy to feel like everything's going great, but it's not because of me. It's because of what God is doing in that moment. So uh, sometimes it's helpful to remember that. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. This is St. Paul. He's reflecting on his sins, right? He's reflecting on his, he feels kind of worthless in the eyes of God. And he says, please take this thing away this struggle, this, this uh, temptation in my life, and the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. He doesn't say, I will take it away, but he says, I want you to persevere basically through this thing. And that's kind of what we are meant to do. So it's important for us to remember, to have a spiritual memory of past times when the Lord has carried us through and to hold on to that. This desolation is not going to last forever. Um, Questions about Rule 7. So the thing to remember is we always have sufficient grace. We will have what we we need. And this is where we can uh, grow the most, actually, probably. Okay, Rule 8. Let's move on to that. Let him who is in desolation labor to be in patience which is contrary to the vexations which come to him. And let him think that he will soon be consoled, employing against the desolation of the devices, as is said in the sixth rule. So, 
Uh, so it's a time of patience. Uh, the desolation is a time of patiently waiting on the Lord and trusting that consolation is not far off. So work towards being patient. Work towards kind of uh, resisting the, in, the, the impulse to quickly change direction or move or do something and rather use those things that were mentioned in Rule 6, the prayer, the meditation, these kinds of things uh, to resist um, this feeling of desolation. Think that consolation will soon return by means of the elements mentioned in Rule 6. Uh, so again, patience is going against the feelings we are experiencing. Um, when we remain patient, desolation is uh, not able to harm us, and it can actually help us, it can help us grow, it can help us uh, develop our spiritual muscles. This is going to be on 106. For all, for all persons in spiritual desolation, when everything, interior darkness, sadness, or sense of hopelessness, lack of fervor, inability to sense God's love, urges us simply to relinquish our efforts to love and to serve, and, to, and, and we do not yield, we go forward with patience, enduring and faithful to the task at hand. We finish the prayer or the retreat in spite of dryness. We continue to serve even though God seems far away. We remain faithful to a commitment to love, though we feel no fervor in doing so. We go forward in the effort to love in the family, within a parish group, or in the workplace, in spite of the sadness we feel. So, for those of you who are married, right? If we always acted on our feelings, how long would your marriage last? You know, if you always went off of that experience of what I'm feeling in a moment, and how many couples have I talked to where they said something similar, like, "Well, we didn't feel we were love anymore, so that's why we we're getting divorced, or why, that's why we're we're having troubles." It's like, well, feelings are nice when they're when they're consoling and so forth, but we can't just act on our feelings. We have to act on the reality that I know. I'm married to this person and I need to love them and care for them and so forth. And I know that God is going to permit this trial in our marriage, but he will also bring us to consolation if we remain faithful. So it's kind of a similar uh, idea there. So we need to remember that consolation is not far away and that the Lord is with us. So again, consolation is given by God, so consolation comes from the Lord. Desolation is allowed by God. He doesn't cause it, he allows it. And we're going to talk about that now in Rule 9. Rule 9 is kind of a long one here. So There are three principal reasons why we find ourselves desolate. The first is because of our being tepid, lazy, or negligent in our spiritual exercises. And so, through our faults, spiritual consolation withdraws from us. So that's the first way. It's because of our actions. So that's going to be one form of spiritual desolation coming our way. Second, to try us and to see how much we are and how much we let ourselves out of his service and praise without such great pay of consolation and great graces. So basically... The Lord says, you're my servant. You have said you will serve me. 
I'm going to see if you will serve me without so much payment. Like, are you a patriot or are you a mercenary, basically? A patriot will continue the fight when the pay is not coming. A mercenary will say, we surrender. We'll do whatever you ask. We'll even fight against you or against our former master if you just pay us. So uh, the idea here is he's testing us to see how deep our resolve goes and helping us to re realize how deep our resolve goes. To help us, because sometimes we have the feeling of like, man, I am doing great. I am so far along the spiritual life. And then we hit into a wall of desolation and suddenly we realize, I'm not as far as I thought. I'm not very good at this at all. And we realize it's really not up to me. It's up, totally up to God how much cons consolation I feel or how much uh, grace I feel. Uh, it doesn't come from me. I can't cause it. I can't give myself uh, consolation. I can only receive it. So it helps us to kind of have this reliance on the Lord. And so the second cause there is to kind of help us recognize that and then to see how far do we go along that path when we're not being consoled. So the Lord's kind of stretching us. The third to give us true acquaintance and knowledge that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to get or keep great devotion, intense love, tears, or any other spiritual consolation, but that all is a gift, is the gift of grace of God our Lord, and that we may not build a nest in a thing not ours, raising our intellect into some pride or vainglory, attributing to us devotion <coughs> to other things or other things of the spiritual consolation. So here it's this idea that, again, we, we feel like we are able to control consolation or that it's because of me that I'm feeling consoled, because of my actions. Again, if you go back to the Mother Teresa example, like she, uh, she recognized this, right? She wasn't prideful. She wasn't thinking, well, I started this religious order. I'm the Mother Superior of these 4,000 nuns around the world. Look at me, aren't I great? It was more she recognized it's all the Lord's work and he can take it all away in a moment if he wants to. And so it's not up to me to kind of try to control it. It's, I'm merely the servant of the Lord in this matter. Um, there's that Bible uh, quote, we are unworthy servants, we only did what we were asked. And sometimes it, when we hear that, it's like, well, that doesn't seem so great, Lord. Like, I kind of was hoping I'd be a little higher on the totem pole than just an unworthy servant. But <laughs> the reality is, I'm probably not a very good servant because most of the time I, I do run and hide instead of being faithful under trials. So these are the three principal causes of desolation. Questions on them? Does that make sense? So only one of them is our fault in a sense. We could, we could say it's our fault because we have turned away from the Lord or because of our tepidness or laziness or neglect. We've basically... Like if we, if we had been faithful in those things, we wouldn't have gone into desolation. But because of our uh, laziness and so forth, we kind of pushed ourselves in there. Um, so that's one way. The other two are meant to be a, a means of helping us to grow, helping us to trust in the Lord rather than ourselves. Okay, I just want to read this one little paragraph. 
115, page 115. Halfway down the page says, It is important to note that spiritual desolation of itself does not produce growth. So of itself, it doesn't produce growth. Indeed, if, we, if not resisted, it will cause spiritual harm in varying degrees. The experience of spiritual desolation becomes fruitful when we resist it. Does that make sense? So unless we resist, unless we recognize and then resist and reject, it's not going to help us grow. So just, again, back to that example of if I just am the limp noodle and I just say, okay, I'm meant to be desolate, if that's our response in the face of it, it's like it's, it, it is going to cause us separation from the Lord because we're not going to grow from it. It's not going to do what it's meant to do for us. The persevering effect or effort to resist spiritual desolation is described in these rules. And the it is, is the necessary condition that God's motives in allowing this desolation be filled. If, for example, uh, he gives us example of this gal named Alice. If she struggles in her new parish and Jane, uh, as she undergoes her desolate days on retreat, simply surrender to the spiritual desolation, obviously only harm will result. If, on the contrary, they humbly and courageously use the means pr proposed to resist it, his rules of, of discernment to resist, if they use those, put them into practice, then it's God's purpose in allowing the desolation will be accomplished. So, if we resist and reject, the Lord will work through it. If we just say, okay, and we accept what the desolation tells us, then it will cause us harm. So to wrap up, uh, as long as we focus on sorrow, the sorrow of our desolation, if we get stuck in just the feeling, which is easy to do, right? It's easy. It, in the moment, the, the thing that's going to seem to make the most sense is the feeling that we're having, right? So that's what we have to recognize. If we just focus on the sorrow of desolation or the feeling of desolation and, uh, and we don't seek the cause and try to understand why is this happening, where is the... Where's is it something I did or is it merely that the Lord is inviting me to grow here? Then we're unlikely to resist. And if we don't resist, then we're not going to grow from it. It's not going to be uh, the Lord's will is that we grow from these experiences. So when we examine ourselves and understand its cause, we are given energy to resist. And thus we make, uh, we have to ask the question often, why is there spiritual desolation? Why, what is the cause? We want to ask that question often when we are feeling desolate. Important to realize that spiritual desolation is not our fault. It's not always our fault, which can be the first impulse, right? So if we aren't aware of those three things of Rule 9, we can, we can always think it's the first one. It's always my fault. I've done something wrong, when it might not be. You know, in that first moment when we're feeling kind of overwhelmed or feeling worn down or feeling distant from the Lord, we might just be saying to ourselves, gosh, I thought I was doing the right thing. And it seems like I guess I'm not. And that's the feeling, right? The Lord is saying, you are doing the right thing. You just need to persevere. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to grow you. So, so those are the four rule, or the five through nine questions as we wrap up tonight. While you're talking, and Jill will appreciate that. Tolkien, did he, when he wrote The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> he built, I mean, but the way you were talking, I was just like, oh, this reminds me of 
It should, right? It should remind us of any true human experience, because this is our human experience. The, ru the rules of discernment are very practical. Ignatius wrote them for real, everyday people, you and I. Not, not, it's not John of the Cross, it's not Teresa of Avila, because we're not experiencing the dark night of the soul or the dark night of the senses. We're experiencing, I'm having a hard time uh, in this moment to just do this simple thing. So... He wrote them for, for everyday life, so it would make sense that you would recognize it in other situations, even Tolkien's writings or other people's experiences. So that makes total sense, yeah. Whether he was aware of them specifically or not is a question I don't know. I mean, certainly teaching was available, but I don't know how well it was uh, popularized at that time. So, Other questions? So... Here we go again. So we, we kind of lose focus and we go to sleep or on vacation or something and then finally realize where the heck we're at and we come back. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. If, if it makes sense in your mind, that makes sense to me. Like, we're kind of asleep on the job and suddenly we find ourselves in a place where it seems like everything's not going great. Yeah. Yeah, our, our focus gets on the wrong thing, right? Instead of focusing on what the Lord is doing, we focus on what we're feeling. But someplace along the way you realize where the heck you're at. Yes. And that's, that's why uh, Ignatius told all his priests, the Jesuits, to do the daily examine twice a day. So the examine prayer, where you basically are looking for these motions. You're trying to see, what's going on in my life today? I think I got it. Yeah, if, if you do this... <laughs> Regularly, you recognize it, and hopefully, it levels out the troughs, right? If you if you wait a week to do an examine of what the heck's going on, why am I feeling that desolation? A week goes by, and you're going way down here, and suddenly you're like, "What the heck happened? How did I get down here?" This is our last meeting, though, right? No, we still got rules uh, ten to fourteen. Oh, I I just looked on the front there. And I well, we missed a night because one night nobody showed up, so then I just didn't teach. So we got one more. Mm -hmm. cool. Thank you, Father. Yeah. So I probably should tell you all when that is. Yes. <laughs> it's the last Tuesday, or last Thursday of May, I think. April, sorry. April 27th, yeah. 27th? 27th. The last Thursday? The last Thursday. 7 o'clock. Here. Okay, let's close with a prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, I ask you to help us each in our own particular lives to be able to apply these rules of discernment. Help us to recognize the ups and downs, to recognize desolation for what it is. Help us to grow in our awareness so that we don't um, that we don't get caught up in the attacks of the evil and but that we're able to resist and remain close to you and keep growing uh, individually and together and that we could help and encourage one another. Um, we pray that Our Lady would assist us in this endeavor to stay close to you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.